Seven races into the 2022 season and seven different winners. This is the money stop. It's the most important stop of the day. And alongside Cole Cusimano, I'm Steven Cusimano. And um, Cole, it's the most important stop of the day, but I, I guess for the first time this season, it's also Denny time. Denny Hamlin <laughs> wins at his home track of Richmond, Virginia, in really just a stunner. This was a, It's funny the way this race played out because – we mentioned coming into this week that we were kind of looking to see how this most unpredictable of seasons with this next-gen car and this new rules package would impact one of NASCAR's most predictable tracks in Richmond. And the race played out in such a way that the guy that you would have thought coming in ended up winning. But with the way that that race played out, it was everything but predictable. It was a race that I would say more so than any of the other six this year was dominated by strategy calls, uh, lots of green flag pit stops and different pit cycles. Uh, there was really no way of telling who had the dominant car because of how many different cycles were kind of happening at the same time. But it all ended up to where Denny Hamlin ended up coming up through the field and with five laps to go, took the lead over the dominant car in the third stage, which was William Byron. Ryan Blaney led the most laps. So it, it was a crazy race. Lots of ebbs and flows, but... At the end of it all, Cole, it was Denny Hamlin winning his fourth race at his home track in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, this was, I guess, on paper, an extremely standardized Richmond race from a statistical sense. Total of five cautions, which extended to a three-race streak of exactly that many yellows at that track. 13 lead changes, which was actually down significantly from the 20 and 21, respectively, from last year. And you alluded to it, an immensely strategic race, which I don't think is a bad thing. There was a lot of flack on Twitter Obviously, it wasn't nearly as compelling as at, for like an average viewer, but I think for an avid motorsports fan, it's something that you can enjoy at some capacity because I feel like these fuel mileage and tire conservation races, they don't come as often, especially with this next-gen car early in this season. So it's kind of fun seeing which teams can adapt the quickest and which ones make the right calls. And I think it also shows which teams are the most complete and rewards them for that. Competition-wise, again, very standard. A lot of the same players. Truex led 80 laps, won stage two, looked like a lock for the win at one point in that race. All four Gibbs cars placed top 10, in fact, top nine in that race, and I think all four had a legitimate shot at the win. Denny Hamlin obviously won the race. Kevin Hart finished second, and even Brett Kostowski had a solid day, had a top 10 car, finished uh, top 15, but uh, those are three guys you typically see run very well at Richmond. That's how it played out, but there were some obscurities, as you mentioned. Ryan Blaney, won the pole, led a race high, 128 laps. And this was only odd because going into this race, Ryan Blaney hadn't led a single lap at Richmond. And he had only scored one top 10 in 11 starts. And he just so happened to attack another one on after this was all said and done. So also won stage two, led 128 laps. And William Byron, you alluded to as well. Another driver who struggles a lot at Richmond historically. And he was in line for the win with, yeah, five to go. And this surprised me, too. He led 122 laps. I did not, didn't feel like it was that long, but he had, I guess he had a really good car towards the end of the race. But um, in short, I thought it was a very traditional Richmond race. Hamlin wins. JGR was the strongest, most consistent team in my book all day. Very few cautions. Not many lead changes are passing. Lots of strategy and a lot of usual suspects with some surprise performances. Yeah, I liked this race a lot, to be honest with you. Like, it was really a breath of fresh air in that it was, it felt like there was some order to it. It wasn't the, the absolute chaos and madness that we had seen the first six races of the year. And you could really feel it was just, it had a methodical feel the entire race. You felt 
even though Ryan Blaney was leading a lot of laps and, and Martin Truex Jr. And eventually William Byron, you never felt like it was in the bag for anybody. It felt like there were so many varying strategies to where it could have been anybody's race. And that ultimately it's how it ended up playing out. And it's crazy to think too, Kevin Harvick almost won this race. Let's look at the top 10 real quick, beginning with those top two. It was Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick getting by William Byron who ended up with a third-place finish, came really, really close, just under five laps shy of his fourth career win. Martin Truex Jr. ended up fourth. Kyle Larson, a strong day in fifth. Christopher Bell, sixth. Ryan Blaney, seventh. Alex Bowman, another top 10. He ended up eighth. Kyle Busch, ninth. And Austin Dillon, tenth. So it was, uh, you know, you go through that top 10, there really aren't a ton of surprises, Cole, but I, I think that you said it best. The, the one thing that really stuck out as we were coming into this week was, when was it going to kick in for Joe Gibbs Racing? When were they going to sort of, uh, you know, take command and get back to being the, the demanding team that what they are? And and we said, if it's not going to happen this week, it's not going to happen. And sure enough, it happened. And so uh, that my next question to you, Cole, is this was Toyota's first win of the year, and it fittingly came in the Toyota Owners 400 race at Richmond, which we've always called a Toyota playground. And by the way, I should also mentioned Denny Hamlin was my pick to win. I went against all the odds, all the trends, and put my money where my mouth is, and that ended up being the winning pick. So hopefully you listen to me. My money pick of the week, which I actually I, I feel bad because I didn't vocalize this on the podcast. My money pick of the week was Denny Hamlin to finish in the top five, and uh, I forgot to say that last week. So, um, but regardless, we predicted this would be a Toyota-driven race. It was. So, Cole, where, I mean, with where we are now, seven races in, where do you feel that Joe Gibbs Racing and specifically the full Toyota camp stack up against, I guess, the more dominant teams this year, which have so far been Hendrick and Trackhouse and really the Chevy teams? They're getting into, into gear now, into form. Like, they all had really strong runs in this race. I think over the last three weeks, Martin Truex Jr., Christopher Bell have been two of the strongest teams. Kyle Busch has had an up-and-down season, but the speed's definitely been there. And I don't want to get too carried away with Denny Hamlin. Like, the win's big, but he led 10 laps in this race, and mm -hmm. it wasn't a very convincing performance, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Do I think it's huge in terms of confidence? Absolutely. Um, that's going to be huge for that 11 team going forward. Uh, confidence usually bodes very well for Denny Hamlin, who's a very emotionally driven driver. So I think as a whole, that organization's definitely stepping it up. You can feel comfortable putting pretty much any of these drivers in your lineups. And, uh, yeah, I, I think they're definitely grounding into form at this point in time. Yeah, we mentioned it last week, how you want to see it before you believe it with Denny Hamlin. That was the, the phrase I kept uttering. And then sure enough, at the end of the episode, I picked him to win. And I think that, like you mentioned, that 11 team and Denny Hamlin are a group of people that respond well to good results. And, and they, on the converse side of that, on the inverse side of that, they kind of spiral when it comes to bad results. And so if you're a, somebody who's a fan of that 11 camp or a Toyota racing fan, uh, you got to hope that the good results keep on rolling. So big win for Denny Hamlin. It was huge just in the sense of momentum of the season. I mean, if he would have had another bad race, there's no telling the way that things could have spiraled for that 11 team and for Joe Gibbs racing. Uh, and it really was, it was a clean sweep of the weekend for Joe Gibbs in the sense that his grandson, Ty Gibbs, won on Saturday and was honestly an even better finish than what we saw on Sunday. An amazing, I think it was the final lap, final lap pass mm -hmm. on John Hunter Nemechek, his teammate, on a move that some people had a problem with. I think that the way that that final few laps played out was extremely entertaining. It's If you're a guy watching on like Joe Gibbs, the last thing you want to see is your two cars wrecking each other. 
You want to see, obviously he was probably rooting for his grandson, but you know, you want to see one of those cars in victory lane and you want to see the other one finish second. And that's what happened at the end of it. I, I think as long as neither of the cars wrecked, I think that it's a success for Joe Gibbs racing. And that's what happened. And, uh, I don't know if you had a problem with the move that Ty Gibbs made, Cole. I personally didn't because, again, it ended up with both cars uh, finishing with the nose pointed straight and uh, the gold and silver on the podium. So I, I think it was a fun race, a fun ending, and it was furthermore, it was Ty Gibbs flexing his muscles and proving that he can win any kind of race, any kind of way. Yeah, that was a great race. It was it felt like a, a short track, actually, at Richmond, which was cool. Not so much a problem with the move, just the way it was executed, only because it could have went, went about a much different way. And you got to feel for John Hunter Nemechek because the same thing happened with him and Chandler Smith in the truck series. And it's like he's getting bullied <laughs> at his team's yeah. KBM or JGR. And at some point, you got to go up for yourself and, and you know prove your worth and, and go for the win. But I think for Ty Gibbs, it's, it's like one step forward, two steps back. From a general perception, I had no problem with the move. I think he's going for the win. He's going for a championship. You have to win all the races you can. It's not easy to win in any series of NASCAR, so, so I had no problem with it. But great race. Yeah, at some point, it's got to become no more Mr. Nice Guy for John Hunter Nemechek. And we kind of saw it a little bit with Daniel Hemrick at the end of last year in the Xfinity Series and that he got pretty physical on that last lap at Phoenix and had that just phenomenal last lap finish at the checkered flag. And I feel like this season is, is kind of having a similar feel for John Hunter Nemechek in really both the truck series and the Xfinity series in both races, uh, both series that he's raced in to what we saw last year with Daniel Hemrick in the Xfinity series. So we'll see if that it ends up being kind of a worthwhile comparison there, but we'll close the book on Richmond outside of the two great finishes. And I feel like we covered the strategy side of it pretty well and that it was sort of a, a tame race in the sense that it wasn't all over the place, but it, it was really crazy in the sense of all the strategy. And I think if you're a tried and true NASCAR fan, you really, really enjoyed this race. And, and I'm, I'm glad with the way it played out. You know, we were looking really intently to see how this next gen car would impact the racing at Richmond. And really it wasn't necessarily the next gen car. It was more of just, it was another week where we felt more settled in with the drivers and the teams. And I really liked the way it played out. So that's a great thing for the sport to see such a competitive race at a track that's again, been very predictable in the past. So why don't we take a look at this upcoming week's race? It's Martinsville, the night race, Saturday night, one of my favorite race weekends of the year. And they just started doing the night races there obviously recently, but the, the spring Martinsville race really feels like to me when the spring portion of the season kicks off. It really kind of feels like that second quarter of the NASCAR season. It's again, it's, it's always been run around my birthday. It's always been one of my favorite tracks. And for me personally, it's always one of my favorite race weekends of the year. And I, I, I love that it's, it's a night race now. So we'll see how that plays out. That's going to happen this Saturday night and nickel or dime. We like to talk about our paint schemes on this podcast. And we want to thank you all for tuning in to our social media at the underscore money stop and voting on your favorite paint schemes with the fantastic graphics that Cole's been making and the dime a dozen uh, contests that he's been running as well. That's been really fun to follow. I loved the Dr. Pepper car of Bubba Wallace uh, last week. That's going to be my kind of honorable mention. But again, we don't at this point in the week when we're recording this podcast, we don't have the, the paint schemes in front of us. So we can't describe them for you. But just go to our social media at the underscore money stop at Cole underscore Kusamano underscore. He'll have all the coverage there as well. So we turn the page to Martinsville here. And 
Looking back at this race last year, Cole, it was really a who's who of the drivers that came to play late in uh, the NASCAR playoffs. You look at the way that this race played out, Martin Truex Jr. ended up with the win with uh, 20 laps led uh, over Chase Elliott. He had uh, that race won. Denny Hamlin was third, William Byron fourth, and Kyle Larson rounded out the top five. So again, out of the championship four, you had four of them in the top five of that race. And then not far behind, Ryan Blaney also uh, was strong at the end of last year. He won both stages. So um, last year, that was in the spring race. But ironically enough, those were kind of uh, really the, the set of drivers that really played out well throughout the course of the season and were the ones that, were, that came to play in October, which was the most recent race there. And, and if you remember, that was the crazy one where the famous hack was born in Alex Bowman with the bump and run move on Denny Hamlin. And uh, the rest is history from there. So we've had a couple of really fun races at Martinsville. Uh, Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex Jr., William Byron rounded out the top five in that fall race at Martinsville. And uh, between William Byron and Martin Truex Jr., they were the only two to place top five in both races last year with Denny Hamlin, of course, almost doing that with you know the bump and run in the October race, kind of bumping him out of the top five. Chase Elliott was the most consistent driver. He swept both stages in that October race, led the most laps with 289. So Cole, as we take it to the bank and we look at more of the trends uh, from Martinsville last year and years past, uh, I'm really intrigued to see how this race plays out. This will be our first genuine short track race of the season. Uh, you can call Phoenix and Richmond short tracks all you want, but they're not the paperclip. They're not the shortest track on the circuit in Martinsville. And I'm extremely excited and intrigued to watch this race. And especially, again, Cole, looking at the drivers that were players here last year, it was a who's who of the contenders in this sport. And, and I can't wait to see how everyone stacks up this weekend. Yeah, it's always a great foreshadowing of what's to come later in the season. And I just think that every win is earned in Martinsville, no matter how many laps are led or whatnot. It's just a complete driver's track, just a gritty and grueling race. And again, one of my favorites as well. Looking at both these races combined from last year, first off, again, I just want to give a shout out. So in the spring race, four of the same drivers finished top five at Richmond last week, and that was Truex, Hamlin, Byron, and Larson. So True. Pretty, pretty crazy. But combining those two races together, there were 15 cautions in both of them. There were 18 and 15 lead changes, respectively. And also wanted to note that Martin Truex Jr. has won three of the last five races there. Ford and Toyota account for eight of the last 10 wins at uh, Martinsville with four each. And this one is the kicker. This one I found very interesting. So going back to when Dale Jr. won in 2014, Chevy's only won the fall races at Martinsville going back to then. So kind of weird trend, but uh, it's, it's something to, I guess, maybe consider. It is kind of weird. Like how much stock can you really take into a stat like that? I think it's a, and not that this really impacts the forecast for this weekend's race, but it really is a testament to how those teams kind of prepare throughout the course of the season and use the notes from the previous race and really come to play at the later part of the season. And that's why Hendrick Motorsports has been so successful in the playoffs and late in seasons and winning so many championships, namely in back-to-back -back years, because they just come to play at that time of year and they, they know how to channel all of their energy and all their notes to be opportunistic at that time of year. And it's a testament to that. So it could be a mixed bag when it comes to this week at Martinsville. And again, it's the next gen car. So who knows, but let's look at the odds per DraftKings pre-qualifying and qualifying is going to take place on Friday night at 5.05 PM Eastern time. So keep an eye out for that, but here are the odds going into qualifying Martin Truex Jr. The defending race winner here in the spring is the favorite at plus 550 Chase Elliott, 
second at plus 700, Ryan Blaney plus 900, tied with Kyle Busch and Joey Logano for the third highest odds. So it's, it's kind of a mixed bag here, Cole. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., I think rightfully so, is the favorite. And he's had the top 10 streak going here as of recently. Had the strong race at Richmond. You mentioned it looked like he was poised for the win uh, for a good portion of the middle of that race at Richmond. And so you look at drivers that are kind of just methodically peaking over the last couple of weeks. And now Martin Truex Jr. goes to a track where he's done very well as of the recent history. And it feels like all signs could be pointing to a win for for Truex and the 19 team at Martinsville. But I mean, as you look at the odds, Cole, uh, where where do you kind of see this thing going? And and do you think that those top five per DraftKings, are they warranted? Absolutely. I think, yeah, doing research on these drivers, it's very fair to say that Truex is the favorite going in. Mentioned he's won three of the last five races at Martinsville. And I think he's looked the best Toyota through seven races. Even though Denny beat him to victory lane, he's currently riding a three-race top 10 streak in 2022. And in the last nine races at Martinsville, he's only finished, he only has one finish lower than eighth. Uh, he also won there in the spring last year, and he's led laps in the last five Martinsville races. But it's kind of cool to look at because his stats at DEI and MWR are nothing worth sharing. But since 2014, when he joined Furniture Row, he drastically improved his short track program. He has 11 top 10s in 16 starts with 1,015 laps led and a 9.9 average. So I think that Martin Truex Jr. is money in the bank for at least top 10 finish. Um, and I think he should definitely be the favorite going in. And he rightfully is per Vegas and DraftKings at plus 550. So I think as, as we'll go through here and take it to the bank, you'll see that guys like uh, Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney, who we mentioned swept the stages in both races last year, are definitely good picks as well. Kyle Busch is one of the best to do it at Martinsville. And I think Joey Logano, uh, he's been one of the more consistent drivers over the years at Martinsville. That's kind of flown under the radar. Yeah, Joey Logano, you mentioned it. He has the longest active top 10 streak at Martinsville with five, going back to fall of 2019 with an average finish of 6.2 going back uh, in that five-race span. And that's not easy to do at Martinsville. There's so much that can go wrong. It's such a small track where the margin for error is so small. And to have that kind of record for consistency is very impressive. He has the one win that came in the fall of 2018, 14 total top tens at this track, over a thousand laps led, 1098, led in 26 starts. So about 54% top 10 rate for, uh, for Joey Logano at Martinsville. And he had an up and down day at Richmond. He placed 17 after running top 10 for most of the day, uh, was one of those drivers and teams that kind of just didn't pick the right strategy. Sometimes in these these kind of uh, big strategy races, you just you don't pick the right one. And that's kind of what it felt like for the 22 team on Sunday. Slipped from third to fifth in the standings. So nonetheless, Denny Hamlin uh, won the race, but Joey Logano has been one of the most consistent drivers all year. But speaking on Denny Hamlin for a second, he almost earned the title of Mr. Martinsville not too long ago. He leads all active drivers in just about every category at Martinsville. He's going for his home state sweep this weekend with the win at Richmond and now staying in Richmond, uh, staying in Virginia, I should say, heading to Martinsville. He's looking for the win. He's got five W's at Martinsville, 22 top tens, almost 2000 laps led 1987, an average finish of 10.2 and 32 starts. All of those are best marks actively in the sport. And he's also got a 50% top five rate with his last win coming in the spring of 2015 Finished third in the spring last year. And again, prior to the Alex Bowman bump and run, he was in line for the win in the fall. So 
I think after this week, Cole, you can pretty much start feeling a little bit more comfortable in Denny Hamlin. Again, I'd like to see it before I'm, I'm really depending on him in, in DFS lineups and things like that. I'd like to see it a few weeks in a row. But again, like there's just certain weeks where you can kind of feel it coming together. That's even though the, the stats and the trends didn't dictate it last week, you kind of felt it last week going into it. And that's why I picked him for the win. And uh, again, this feels like a team that's ready to steamroll with the momentum they have now and going to one of the, his strongest tracks historically. And, and it feels like it could be another good week for Denny Hamlin in his home state. I definitely agree. I think momentum is a very real thing in NASCAR, and especially when you're racing back-to-back weekends in your home state. It's got to do good things for Denny Hamlin, and I think they're going to have a good, strong day there. Another guy who I think is going to have a really good day is his teammate Kyle Busch, who has three straight top tens at Martinsville, and he has two wins, last coming in fall of 2017, 20 top tens total, 11.8 average, and 1,429 laps led in 33 starts. He also has a 52% top five rate at Martinsville, which is pretty astounding. Tied for most top tens this season with four. And I think the thing that sticks out most to me about Kyle Busch is he rebounded from that costly late penalty where they put tape over his grill uh, to finish ninth. So in the end, I think they were going for the uh, two-stop strategy, which as we saw with Joey Logano and, and other drivers, it wouldn't have worked out. So I think it actually was their benefit that they had to pit another time and get that those fresh set of tires. So I think that they're determined more than ever to win, especially with all the, the bad luck that's been on, on their side this season. That could be a good driver to watch. Maybe not for the win, but I think a top five, top 10 day is definitely in store for Kyle Busch. But we also mentioned Ryan Blaney. He's been knocking on the door for a win, both in 2022 and at Martinsville. He's won three poles this season, which kind of hurts in terms of place differential points, but he makes up for it with laps led. And that's another really big category in terms of DFS. And he's done it the most this season. He's led a serious high, 334 laps this season. He's tied with Chase Elliott in the point standings. He has most stage points with 66 and most stage wins with, with a three. So shifting to Martinsville, he swept both stages in the spring last year, led most laps as aforementioned, and he finished 11th in both those races. But prior to that, he was riding a four-race top five streak, which included back-to-back runner-ups in 2020. He's completed all but four laps in 12 starts in Martinsville with six top tens, 372 laps led, and a 10.8 average finish. Yeah, that's extremely impressive. You talk about uh, Joey Logano's resume with the uh, consistency in terms of finishing in the top five, but to finish all but four laps and 12 starts at Martinsville is as impressive as it gets. And you mentioned the recent success there with the laps led, and uh, especially this year. I mean, you look at Ryan Blaney's season, you you talk about pure speed. I think that that 12 team has had the best in the garage with the three poles out of seven races and all the laps led tied for first in the point standings. I think that Ryan Blaney has been knocking on the door for a win. It's just been a classic case of the the whole team not coming together. It seems like, and I'm going to say the same thing about the the next guy we're going to mention that the team has really been hurting him on pit road in terms of Ryan Blaney. Every time he comes down, he's losing spots. And that's exactly the case with Chase Elliott. And the frustration has really been boiling because that team has had speed on a lot of the weeks this season as well. And the, the team just as a whole has not been getting it done. But I think you would be foolish to not consider Chase Elliott for the win. One of those guys that's – he's been atop the standings the last three weeks. And, he, again, he's tied with Ryan Blaney. He's been one of the most consistent drivers all year. And it's funny to say this team hasn't been able to put it all together because, you know, you think about their season, on days where they haven't had great speed, they've managed to finish in the top ten. So from that regard, it's been a full team effort. But, like, on the, the flip side of the coin – 
it's like whenever they have had speed, they haven't been able to, to capitalize on it. So it's been a weird season, to say the least, for Chase Elliott. And the fact that he's leading the points should speak volumes about where he's headed this year. But it's been well documented. He's obviously the only winless Hendrick Motorsports driver. But the good news is he's won at Martinsville before. And prior to leading a race high, 289 laps and sweeping both stages, only to finish 16th last fall. He was riding a three-race top five streak at Martinsville. He's led the most laps in two of the last three races there and won half the stages in that span. So in terms of a driver that's going to go out there, rack up points in terms of leading laps, winning stages, running up front, and average running order, there's going to be no one better than Chase Elliott, in my opinion. He's got seven top tens in 13 starts, more than half of his, uh, his starts at Martinsville in the top 10, including 718 laps led. So honestly, that list of drivers, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Joe Logano, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr. It's a little bit of a long list. What is that? Six or seven drivers, but they are so, so consistent. They are money in the bank at this track. I think if you can fit any of those two drivers in your DFS lineup in, in some kind of combination, and again, you might want to look at the starting order before you make that decision, but they have just been so consistent and consistency at Martinsville to the, the respect that these guys have had it is so hard to find. And I think that's very important to consider for fantasy purposes this week. Without a doubt. And I, I couldn't agree more on, on saying that Chase Elliott is one of the more consistent drivers at Martinsville. I think that those laps led top 10 score are definitely something to take into consideration in addition to the, uh, the stage wins over those last three races and most laps led. So another guy I want to touch on kind of put some respect on is his teammate, Alex Bowman. He's won the most recent race in Martinsville, obviously, which labeled him a hack by Denny Hamlin after getting turned in the final lap. But we mentioned last episode, I think you brought it up, Bowman's putting in the effort to be the better driver. He's participating in other series, other forms of motorsports. And William Byron's doing the same exact thing, too. They're calling it the Larson effect. But I think the work's showing and it's paying off. He's riding a three-race top-10 streak in 2022. He has the win at Vegas. Had a shot at the win in Coda. And he's been one of the more consistent drivers in this season, which is very nice to say because that's what he needs to take the next step in his career. And he's off to a really good start in 2022. But in reference to Martinsville, the success has come in recent starts, scoring a top 10 in three of his last four. But he only has 10 laps led there. But as mentioned earlier in the show, I don't think laps led really matters all that much. You only got to lead one. That's the final lap. And uh, regardless, we know that Bowman and the 48 team are capable of winning They've been very complete through seven races, and I think they should be in line for a nice top 10 run, you know? And the biggest thing for Alex Bowman, too, like you mentioned the recent success, he has been one of the most consistent drivers this year, too, in terms of speed. It seems like every race he's, he's got top five speed with that 48 team. And, and in terms of teams that have just loaded off the truck and adjusted well, adapted well to this next-gen car, and, and again, putting in the work, like you said, Cole, Alex Bowman is a guy that, for me, he's exceeded my expectations this year. And, and you think about how important it is to have comfortability in this next-gen car, and, and he's got it right now. He's racing with confidence, and he's a, a player every single week. He's a contender for the win no matter where we go. And, again, he is the most recent winner at Martinsville, so you can't count him out. Also can't, out, can't count out the reigning champion, Kyle Larson. And it's funny, we haven't mentioned him very much during the show, and, and that's just kind of a testament to how it's been an up and down season. Like for Kyle Larson, it's, it's like he's either finished right there in the top five and contended for the win, or he's had a really rocky day finishing like outside the top 30. So it's been a weird season, but you can absolutely never count him out. And, and to me, Cole, it just feels like he's been lurking. He's been lurking all year. Like the win is going to come when you're least expecting it. It very well may be this week. Had a rock solid top five day at Richmond. 
And we're getting into really the thick of the season, and that's when this team is going to separate itself. They were the cream of the crop by far and away last year, and that was displayed with the money stop at Phoenix and, and becoming champions with that full team effort. And again, it's it's not going to be long before he and this five team go on a run. He's got three top tens and 14 starts in Martinsville, which, of course, it hasn't been his best track. He's been vocal about that, too. He has said in the past, Martinsville is not his favorite track, but, you know, he's he's Kyle Larson. Like, I don't think you could count him out by any stretch of the imagination. Would I rather have somebody with more of a track history at Martinsville, like a true explainee, Kyle Bush, Chase Elliott, that's going to be in the same price range? I definitely would. But, you know, don't be surprised if he comes away with the win because it's going to come soon and it's going to come when when you least expect it. So um, with Kyle Larson, it, it's kind of the same thing, like I said last week with Denny Hamlin, Cola. And you actually wrote this on the outline here, so you thought the same thing I did. You kind of got to think outside the box with predictions this year. And as they like to say on Big Brother, expect the unexpected. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of feels like one of those weeks where no one's talking about Kyle Larson and he's going to come out and win the race, right? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And Martinsville is a short track. I think it's a very unpredictable track at times. And it lends itself to kind of like road courses, like the the best all-around drivers and teams will often shine. And I think now we can start looking at the value picks and, and who's stacking pennies. And one of those guys who I don't think is going to contend for the win, obviously, but I think could be in line for another strong day is Brad Kozlowski. And he's looked much better these last three weeks placing inside the top 15 during this span. He was a top 10 car for a majority of the day at Richmond, which was very promising just given the history of the season and the sluggish 2022 campaign. But Martinsville is another place where he's seen tremendous success, and it could be a place where you can feel comfortable putting him in your lineups. Uh, he has two wins here, the last coming in the spring of 2019. He had a 10-race top 10 streak going that was snapped last spring in Martinsville, but he rebounded to finish third in the fall. So he's finished 11 top 10s the last 12 races at the paperclip and he has nearly a 71 percent top 10 rate at martinsville which is completely absurd 891 laps led and a 10.8 average which is second among active drivers in 24 starts so brad k definitely trending in the right direction and uh yeah i i think again not maybe line for the win but a solid top 10 day would be a win for that uh 16. Yeah, just they got to start putting together some good performances consecutively. And like it's been a rough couple of weeks, to say the least, for Roush Fenway Kislowski after that hot start to the season. So any anything in the top 10 or really even the top 15 uh, would be a step in the right direction for that team. But you talk about teams that have been on fire and, and it's been it's funny enough. It's the, the paint scheme that usually has flames, the Liberty University one that William Byron drives. That team has been red hot as of recently. And it's kind of misleading to say he could be a value pick only because they have been so fast as of recently, but just think about it. It's weird. He can be considered a sleeper for the win compared to the fact that he doesn't have like the demonstrated consistency of success, like those other drivers that we've mentioned. But while he doesn't have that illustrious history of those others mentioned, he's by no means lesser than them. He's typically in a DFS sense, odds wise, I would say he is more of a value pick, but he's looked really sporty so far. He had the win in Atlanta. He went long for the win at Richmond and like came so close to winning that race. They almost capitalized and played all the right cards. And he's led laps in all but one race this year, William Byron. And similarly to the sense that I mentioned with Alex Bowen, that 24 team, they've been players every week, no matter where and no matter when. And looking at Martinsville, he's one of the very few drivers to place top five in both races last year, one of only two. So since the fall of 2019, 
He's been silently very good at Martinsville, and it's it's interesting because you don't think of William Byron when you think of Martinsville and vice versa, but he's racked up four top tens, including a runner-up finish in five races there as of most recently. So William Byron, it's funny because you don't think of Martinsville when you think of him, but maybe you, maybe you should. And at this point, like after the, the couple of races he's had consecutively with Atlanta and Richmond, uh, it could be another great week in store for William Byron. Yeah, and the speed's always there. It's just the same story every year. You, you, like, you're wondering when's he going to break out and go on these these massive stretches like Kyle Larson or Chase Elliott did. And you never know. It could start at Martinsville just because the speed they've had there in the last, whatever it's been, uh, four races has been ridiculous. And, and I think that's a very underrated stat. Him leading laps in all but one race this season, and I think it's only going to catch up at some point to him uh, for Ryan Blaney, for Chase Elliott, those three guys, those young guns, they are just like waiting to pounce and they're going to go on a tear here, I think, really soon. Another guy who who's definitely considered a value pick, not in the same breath as a William Byron, but Brad Kozlowski's RFK teammate, Chris Busher, who has seen positive place differential in the last five races this season with uh, two top tens in that span. He also finished ninth in the last Martinsville race. So I think, I think we're seeing a much more composed Chris Busher in 2022. Like he's, He's not like in contention for wins, but he has top 10 speed. He's contending for those top 10s. And as long as you're in contention for those quality finishes, they're going to add up at some point. And I think that that positive place differential in the last five races is something to definitely take into account. Another guy who had a very rough start to this season is Harrison Burton. But he's turning a corner, it looks like, for his 2022 Rookie of the Year bid. And it's happening at the perfect time because he's riding back-to-back top 20s. He was running around the top 15, even top 10, like all day at Richmond. And he's seen a lot of success in Martinsville. He has a win there in his 2020 debut, led laps in all three starts. So Harrison Burton, I think he's a guy that you could feel comfortable kind of putting in your lineup if, if you're going top heavy for DFS. It's funny because you, you mentioned, uh, it, it's funny to hear Harrison Burton's name, but uh, you mentioned Chris Busher and how consistent he's been this year and, and that he seems more composed and mature. Maybe that's the influence of a former champion like Brad Keselowski as his team owner and his teammate. I mean, that's, there's something that is definitely to be said for that. So it's, it's interesting to think about what the influence could be there with, with Chris Busher and another rookie that's really impressed Cole that you have uh, harped his song all year is Todd Gilliland. He's another guy to keep an eye on bit of a rough outing at Richmond, but his season overall has been very commendable. He wasn't out of the, uh, I guess you can call them the big three of the rookies with Austin Sindrick, Harrison Burton, Todd Gilliland. He was the most under the radar, and I, I think that he has exceeded expectations so far to this point, racing for a team that doesn't tr- traditionally run in the top 15, the top 20, and, he, and he's done that on occasion. He's had speed in all seven truck series starts at Martinsville, winning there with KBM in 2019, and also read a late, uh, led a race high, 133 laps there a year ago for Front Row Motorsports before finishing 25th. So I think that you can definitely put a little bit of stock in Todd Gilliland with these the trucks they do they race a little bit similar to the stock cars um and there's always great competition at the that level at tracks like martinsville that a lot of drivers from the upper series want to race at and so there's something to be said for the success that he had there in the truck series also want to give a shout out to ty Dillon as a value pick because once again he's proven to be an extremely reliable dfs driver every week finished 24th at richmond but was running top 15 a majority of the day just again, which has been most of the case for most of this year. And he's had positive place differential in all but one race. 
Justin Haley in the same boat in terms of place differential and the positivity he's had every week, but the results haven't been as consistent as Ty Dillon. So those two have kind of been two peas in a pod. And if you're looking for one more kind of value driver to round out your lineup, you could find it in Ty Dillon or Justin Haley. One million percent. And I think you mentioned the, uh, the success with Todd Gillen, the truck series at Martinsville, and I alluded to Harrison Burton's as well. I think for the developmental series, specifically in recent years, the drivers who have seen success there, that usually translates very well to the Cup Series just because these cars specifically right now, the, the next-gen cars, they race very similarly to the trucks, the composite body Xfinity cars. And it's like the playing field is kind of leveled at, at Martinsville and Bristol and short tracks like that. I think Martinsville a little bit more so, but if you're fast in Martinsville, that should translate to speed in the Cup Series. Yeah, if you have a knack for Martinsville, you have a knack for Martinsville. It's just uh, it's the bottom line. But a um, couple guys maybe you want to proceed with caution with, Cole. Um, it's interesting because there's some guys here who have been very consistent. One of those is Chase Briscoe. He hasn't placed above seventh across any of NASCAR's three national touring series at Martinsville. And he's also been trending down exponentially since that win at Phoenix. So um, a guy who he looked like he was poised to continue riding that momentum from the big first career win. but um, it's been a couple of tough races back-to-back since then. And, again, a guy that was just dominant at the lower levels of, you know, I guess the developmental levels, I should say, of NASCAR. And he hasn't placed above seventh at any of the series in Martinsville. So you talk about guys who haven't had that natural uh, feel for the track, which is so important at a track like this. And you see it every year um, with every decade, I guess I could say, with guys like Jimmy Johnson dominating a decade, Denny Hamlin dominating a decade. Now it's kind of been the Martin Truex Jr. era as of recently at at Martinsville. But uh, there's on the flip side of that, there's certain guys who just don't have a feel for this track. And and from what we've seen so far, Chase Briscoe has been one of them. Yeah, I agree. And and it is kind of disappointing just because he looked so poised to have a good run after that that Phoenix win and all signs pointed to that team clicking on all cylinders. But you know, I, I think they'll dig out of it at some point, maybe just not this week. Two other guys, or I guess I should say a whole organization to proceed a caution with is 2311 Racing. And this is kind of weird to say just because Kurt Busch was a DFS darling to start the season. But that Toyota team, specifically the number 45 team, has succumbed to a, a string of mechanical issues, which obviously is not part of his doing, but it's just something to take into consideration. Bubba Wallace's case, the speed just hasn't been there. He's had positive place differential in all but three races so far in 2022 so he's been a serviceable DFS pick but there's other guys like Ty Dillon or Justin Haley as we mentioned maybe even a Tal Gill and or Harrison Burton that you can feel confident confident in picking over a Bubba Wallace in terms of uh, results and place differential points but on Kurt Busch the speed has been there and he has success at Martinsville it's just I want to see another complete race put together or two before confiding in him again because the mechanical issues have been an issue they're not of his doing or nothing you can do about them, but you just want to see some consistency, even if it is finishing like top 15 or something. Just finish these races off. Cole, give me your big money pick of the week. We just started doing this a couple of weeks ago and we've had pretty good success. It sucks to recap what happened last week. I think your big money picks were oh Martin Truex Jr. to finish in the top three. He finished fourth. Yep. And then you fit, you picked, uh, who was it? Kyle Busch to finish or whoever I, finished I, it was sixth. Chris, Christopher Bell finished top five, he finished sixth. Yeah, that yeah. was a complete, <laughs> complete boning. Uh, but yeah. that, it was, it was a good run. It was a good shot. Uh, so Agonizing. Hopefully people didn't hammer that too hard, but became pretty close. So I, I do feel confident in my pick this week, and that's going to be 
uh, William Byron to score a top five at plus 150. I think that you should hammer that all day and night. Mentioned his, his stats here as of late. He's been on a tear in 2022, led laps in all the one race. William Byron, top five finish, plus 150. My big money pick of the week is going to be kind of under the radar because it's a guy that surprisingly did not finish in the top 10 this week, but he's been on the record for being one of the fastest drivers all year, and it's Ross Chastain. I think that team has proven they're going to be players inside the top five every week. I I don't care about the Martinsville history. I, I think that we haven't mentioned his name very much on this podcast episode. Give me Ross Chastain plus 200 to finish in the top five. Give it, give me Ross Chessane in the top five every week. Like, I really think he's mm-hmm. going to be a, a, a player for the win no matter what track we go to, and that includes at Martinsville, especially, especially a track like Martinsville where aggressiveness, aggressiveness really comes through, and I, I think you're going to see it with Ross Chastain. Yeah, that, that's a great point. He, he's, he was, another, again, a top five car at Richmond, got that bump from Ryan Blaney in the second stage, I believe, and he was never the same car after that, so – uh, regardless, I think he's going to be a great pick for a, a top 10, top five day every week. Well, that kind of wraps up our analysis of individual drivers and guys to maybe be cautious of and value picks, contenders for the win. Uh, and we don't have the DFS lineup values right now, but stay posted to social media as we give you inklings of what a proper DFS lineup construction would look like this week at the Martinsville night race. And uh, you might want to listen to everything else we've had to say over the past 25 to 30 minutes about Uh, specific drivers because that'll give you a good example of what to look for in addition to the qualifying results that are going to happen again on Friday night but let's take it to the bank Cole let's make our race predictions of the week and if I remember right Cole you picked first last week am I right about that yep yeah you did and I I, so I also should mention uh, with me picking Denny Hamlin for the win that was our first winner pick of the year goes to show how unpredictable a season it's been I went out on a limb a little bit with that pick, and, and it was our first winner that we've picked in seven races, which is crazy to think. But mm-hmm. um, this week for the win, I'm going with Chase Elliott. I think that he's been knocking on the door all year. We've talked about how the frustration has been boiling with that team in terms of not being able to, to kind of put a full race together. And in, similarly, in the sense that I mentioned with Kyle Larson earlier in the show, it's like he's been working. He's been working in the sense that he's tied for first, in the standings this week. He's been first in the standings for three weeks, but he hasn't been like one of those guys that's been just like really, really close to winning. Like we saw with William Byron this week, or like we've seen with Ross Chastain, those several podium finishes in a row, and then he won. But it's similar to like just the feeling I had last week with Denny Hamlin. It's a little bit of a gut. It's a track that traditionally Chase has been extremely consistent at in terms of running in the top five and the top 10. And I think that that team's going to pull it all together. And, and they, they feel the, the pressure of being the only Hendrick team that hasn't won this year. And especially coming off the road course a couple of weeks ago where he didn't win either. I think that it's time for that nine team to win. And it's going to happen this week in the eighth race of the season. And um, my sleeper pick, we're, we're switching. If you weren't with us last week, we're switching to a new format of sleepers where uh, we have to pick somebody that's outside the top 15 in odds per draft kings we usually use. So... Um, that would be plus 5,000 and down this week, beginning with Austin Sindrick and every driver beneath him in the odds. And the driver I'm going to pick as my sleeper is Eric Almarola. We've just seen a little bit of resurgent speed with uh, Stuart Haas Racing this year. We saw Kevin Harvick almost win last week. We saw Chase Briscoe win at Richmond. And Eric Almarola has been, he, he's a little bit under the radar when it comes to Martinsville because he's been hit or miss in the sense that 
you look back at his results and in 2019, he had a ninth place finish and then a 37th place finish. 2020, he had a 33rd place finish and then a seventh place finish. And then last year, a 20th place finish followed by a sixth, which was a career best at Martinsville, other than the fourth place he had back in 2012. So it's like when he's been able to keep the nose clean at Martinsville, Eric Elmerol has kept it pointed in the right direction and he's finished uh, where he deserves in the top 10. And, and that team has shown speed. Uh, we've seen it from the very drop of the, the flag at, at Daytona when they qualified inside the top 10. And he, they've had their runs this year. And I think that that team as a whole, Stuart Haas Racing, they're just piecing together some solid runs uh, all the way around, maybe with the exception of Cole Custer. We haven't seen too much out of him yet, but the win for Chase Briscoe, the near win for Harvick last week. I think Eric Almirola is going to have a good day at Martinsville on Sunday or Saturday night. Great picks. Uh, so I got two drivers in mind for the win, but you know what? You pick the, the number one driver in the standings. I'm going to pick the other number one driver in the standings. That's going to be Ryan Blaney. Uh, I think their Martinsville success is not to be ignored in hand in hand with their success in 2022. Well-documented, series high of 334 laps led this season, three stage wins, three poles. What else is there to even say about Ryan Blaney in, in 2022? He's been the fastest driver the entire season off the truck throughout the race. And I think it's all going to culminate with a win finally in 2022 at Martinsville. And for my sleeper, I'm going to go with a guy who's been on a hot streak, positive place differential in the last five races, and the guy who scored a top 10 in the most recent race in Martinsville, and that's going to be Chris Busher. I think that team has been clicking. They've had, they got two top 10s in the last three races, and uh, I think that it's going to be a good day for not only Chris Busher, but that RFK team as a whole. It's a good pick, too, because you mentioned the consistency and the composure that Chris Busher has been showing at this phase of his career, um, it, unlike we've ever seen before. And Cole, I like that you picked Blaney. I, I'm going to go out on a limb right now. We're going into week number eight of the NASCAR season. I'm going to go out on a limb and make a somewhat of a bold prediction. I think that this championship in 2022 comes down to those two drivers. I feel like it's been a year where we've seen, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful but way, but we've seen the veterans of this sport, the the real veterans, the Kyle Bushes, the Kevin Harvicks, the Kurt Bushes. We've seen kind of a step back from this group of drivers. I'll even throw Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano in that mix. And maybe they'll adjust to these cars, but it just feels like for these two guys who both have not won a race, it's just for two drivers that are first in the standings, they feel so under the radar. And I feel like it's all going to come together. I think they're going to work out all the kinks. We talk about how the team effort hasn't really been uh, full all year for the nine team and the 12 team, but I think we've seen this rivalry kind of budding from the second they both got up to the cup series and it just feels like go time. It feels like it's the next gen car. This is the next gen rivalry. And mm. I really feel like as a, a, maybe, maybe it's not a bold prediction because they're both tied for first in the standings, but like neither of them has a win. Neither of them have been in terms of contending for wins, like the most consistent every week, but they've had solid speed I just I want to be on the record here on what we're recording this on April 5th. I want to be on the record for saying that come November, those are going to be the two drivers fighting for the championship. That would be phenomenal. I think that'd be great for the sport. And should those two make it to the championship four, they were the two strongest cars at Phoenix in the spring. So that would be a great race, great championship uh, season finale in Phoenix. And a and, foreshadowing moment from that Phoenix yeah, race. I was yeah. thinking the same thing kind of quietly when, when we were watching them uh, having such a consistent day at Phoenix a couple weeks ago. I can definitely see those two being the, the two favorites for the championship. But I feel like this is the exact same conversation we've had the last two, three years 
like the exact same one. I think every single year we're whatever it is, five, 10 races in. And we're like, Oh, the two, two strongest cars, Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney, but they're going to make it all the way to the end. And it, it never follows through. But this year does feel different. I think that they're both a lot more mature. Chase Elliott's obviously a champion. And I think that both those drivers and teams, just a matter of time before they start clicking and, and rattling off multiple wins in, in bunches. And again, like just my gut, it just feels like a changing of the guard. You see drivers like Ross Chastain winning. You see drivers like Tyler Reddick contending for wins and uh, track house racing, like consistently like racing in the top five, Chase Briscoe winning races. Like it just feels like we've been talking about this youth movement kind of on, on the scene bursting into NASCAR the past couple of years. And this is the first year where like the veterans – of this sport, they just, they, they feel like they're, they're falling behind uh, some of these younger guys that have adjusted well to the next gen car, but we'll see how it plays out. That's the big picture. The small picture is this week, Martinsville night race, one of the best weekends of the year, 400 laps, 210 miles, the blue emu maximum pain relief, 400, 730 PM Fox sports one and MRN is where you can catch the broadcast practice will be at April 8th, this Saturday, 430 at night followed by qualifying at 5.15 on Saturday. So you're going to want to check that out before you lock in all your bets and your lineups and stay posted once again to our social media at the underscore money stop. Let us know when you're listening, where you're listening from, what you think, uh, how much money you've won the last few weeks with our analysis, because we'd love to hear from you. And um, we're so happy to have you on board with the most important stop of the day. We are going to drop the jack and we will talk to you, I guess, is, called, is next week. Let me know real quick. Is is next week an off week uh, for NASCAR? Or am I, no, I have that no, wrapped up? No more. Now we have Bristol Dirt on Easter weekend. That's it. On That's Easter Sunday. Easter That's going to be tremendous. That's going to be a, an unbelievably fun holiday. So, Bristol, we go from Martinsville to Bristol Dirt next week. We'll drop the jack here on the Money Stop, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Gotta make them want to come back for more.